Have you ever been fired from a job? What do you do? That's the topic for today's episode of Adulting. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. Today, we are talking about being fired. I am Miranda Marquette, and I am joined by Harlan Landis. How are you doing today, Harlan? I am doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, We're going to talk about something that I've not had to deal with before. It's being fired. Have you ever been fired? Yes. I was a temp at the time. And this this is an interesting story. So it's not what you think when you hear this, but... I'm just putting it out there. It's going to sound bad at first, but it really isn't what you think. Okay. So I was a temp for an insurance company right out of college while I was looking for teaching jobs. And this company required a drug test. Now, before I go on, let me just say that this has nothing to do with drugs whatsoever. So I was working there for, I don't know, a few days and they say, okay, this is where you go to get the drug test. You just need to take care of this and get it done. And I did this, or at least I tried, and I wasn't so good at communication back then. I struggled finding the place, the address they gave me, first of all. I couldn't find the place. And then when I got there, I had to wait for hours in order for things to work. And I don't know what was going on, but for some reason... It just took a very long time. And I'm sure things would have been fine if I just called the company, let them know that I was running late, but I was stupid and I didn't really think about this. And I finally got there and they were like, where were you? I said, well, I was doing what you told me to do. I got drug test, you know, and, you know, everything's submitted and it's going to be fine. And they fired me. They said, you know, we can't do this. You had to be here. You had to at least let us know what was going on. So... I was young. I wasn't very good at adulting. I didn't know what I was doing in terms of, you know, working for a job, really. And I was gone after that. Yeah. And that's interesting. And a lot of the time we think of a job loss as a job loss, but you were definitely fired, not laid off. And (laughs) and there is a difference. And that difference does matter because being fired means something different than being laid off. Being laid off is something that happens through no fault of your own, the company's downsizing or something like that. But being fired is different. Being fired implies cause. And when you're fired, it's harder to get unemployment benefits. Right. And and that's a situation that I ended up with at another job where in this case, I was working for a nonprofit. And, you know, whether I got fired or whether I got laid off, I mean, the way this worked was they obviously didn't want me around much anymore, which was an issue. There was no specific cause. And my concern was being able to collect unemployment at that time, while again, I was looking for a teaching job. And my focus was on being able to collect unemployment for at least a short time. So the bottom line is that I wasn't officially fired. I was laid off. So that way I was able to collect the benefits and still move on. But 
for all intents and purposes, they made it clear that they weren't happy with my performance for whatever reason, and the company was ready to move on without me. So yeah, another great story in the illustrious career of Harlan. Nice. Yeah, so I think one of the things you have to look at is why you were fired. And one of the problems that you run into is most states have an option called at will, meaning you can be terminated without the employer telling you why at any time. But at the same time, you can also quit at any time. But it can be difficult because the classification used can impact other areas. It can impact you while you're looking for a new job because people will ask, oh, well, you were fired. Why were you fired? Or they might call your former employer and your employer might be like, oh, yeah, we totally fired that person. And that terminology kind of can throw you back and can put back your your job search efforts. Well, I know that a lot of companies do have policies where anyone calling for references can only receive very limited information. You really have to kind of understand what the rules are for any particular industry and any particular company. Because I know that when I worked for a different insurance company, calling them for a reference would, you know, they have to go through an automated system and the system wouldn't tell you much other than, yes, they worked here. That's kind of one way to sort of limit the damage is to know what policies a company has. One of the things you do want to look at is why were you fired? So even though you might be in an at-will state, even though your employer might be reluctant to tell you why you were fired, it helps to have an idea of why you're fired or at least an inkling because there are some times that it's illegal to fire you, even in an at-will state. So what are some of the situations where it would be illegal to be fired when the state makes it so it's an at-will state? So generally, that leaves almost unlimited opportunities for the employer. So what are some of the limits there? So one of them is discrimination by gender or color, sex, uh, ethnicity, uh, religious affiliation. So those are things that are illegal to uh, discriminate against. Interestingly enough, not every state has these protections in place for the LGBTQIA community. In fact, the state I live in, Idaho, has no protections for that. So even though I wouldn't be able to be fired for being a woman or for some other reason or for my lack of religion, if I were gay, I could still, I could be fired for that reason. And so that's something that's kind of interesting because you say, well, you can't be fired for discrimination. Well, there are still some states where there is that one type of discrimination that you can still be fired over. Yeah. And that's interesting. And, you know, I think part of the issue is still people will be fired because of discrimination and companies will do what they can to find other reasons. And now, you know, obviously the law has made it so it's very difficult to do that. Any kind of grounds for dismissal have to be documented, at least in most cases. These are often fights that have to go to court in order to resolve whether someone's fired because of discrimination or whether someone's fired because of a valid cause. And of course, going through the court system or even arbitration can cost money, the company is almost always at an advantage. And it makes it very hard for workers to fight 
some of these things. Yeah, that's true. And one of the other things that you cannot be fired for, even in an at-will state, is retaliation. So if you've made an OSHA complaint, or if you've made a sexual harassment complaint, or if you've made some other type of complaint about a policy or an ethical violation, you know, you take that to HR and, and make your complaint, you can't be fired in retaliation for this complaint that you made. So that's something to keep in mind as well. It's meant to protect whistleblowers and others who see something wrong and say something. Yeah, but we see stories all the time where it appears that retaliation is a big part of why someone leaves a company. And then, you know, it's really, again, up to a judge or an arbitrator to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. And that, once again, can be a a difficult situation, just because in some cases, rather than firing you outright, they'll try and make the work environment unbearable. I actually talked for a news article I wrote a couple months ago, I talked to a young woman who was dealing with unwanted advances from her boss. And she reported to HR. And rather than addressing the problem with the boss, everybody just made it was a small it was like a small company, everybody made her life pretty much miserable. They downgraded her responsibilities, her performance reviews started suffering, and she wanted to quit. She didn't want to stick it out. But when she talked to a lawyer, the lawyer said, no, if you quit, then you don't have as strong a case as you do if you stick around. So so that can be difficult because sometimes rather than firing you, they just make their work environment difficult. I did hear about someone I used to work with who would take this approach in dealing with employees. There were three categories, category one, category two, and category three, and each employee would be placed within one of those categories. Category three would be the category where the supervisors would do whatever they can to help the career progress of the employee, move them along, help them make sure that they're advancing in a certain way. Category two would be ambivalent. They wouldn't make any extra efforts to support employees' ambitions, but they would not do anything to really get in the way of that employee. Category one, on the other hand, was the category that you described. They don't want to fire someone, but they don't want them to be a part of the company. And so they just make the environment very difficult, whether it's difficult for them to succeed and move along and get what they want out of their job, or whether it's emotionally difficult. And I think that is often what drives people to quit, realizing or even not realizing that they've been placed in this category where the company is actively trying to make things unbearable for them so that they are no longer a problem. Yeah, and I think that that's a good point because they don't want to fire you. They don't want to have to try and justify it if something comes back to them. So if you quit, then (laughs) it's a different situation. So let's say that you are fired. Let's say that something happens that you are fired. What should you do once you're fired? Well, I'm going to say the first thing is to avoid going on a rampage. (laughs) And you win. That's correct. That is the correct answer. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, it's really tempting to get out there and and have a freak out and get angry and make a big production, but you want to be the calm one. You know, you want to make it clear that you shouldn't be fired and the company's overreacting. So that's really important. And I think you have to keep in mind that if you're staying in the same industry, 
there's a good chance you still have to deal with the people and with the company that you're leaving behind, even if it's not your choice in this case. You want to maintain as good a relationship as possible with everybody, even though it puts you in this really low power position, not position like job, but just relational to everything else that's going on. You have to maintain those good relationships. Don't burn any bridges. Just show them that you can be as mature as possible with the situation as it is. Because if you get to the point where you're fired, at that point, there's very little you can do. Coming back to a company after being fired, it never feels the same. And you're going to always be at that disadvantage. Unless, of course, it's a large enough company where you are far enough away from your original position. But a lot of times there are rules that they will never hire anybody back, that they fired anybody. So you just have to kind of move on and maintain positivity and positive relationships and don't take the last however long you spent in that job. Don't make it a waste by destroying things as you leave. Yeah, that's a really good point. Another thing is to avoid signing something immediately. Sometimes even if you're fired, they'll give you a severance agreement. And you don't want to sign it without looking at it or even taking it to a lawyer because in some cases, you might be waiving your right for arbitration or waiving your right to go to trial or waiving your right to talk about what happened. And you don't want to do that. So make sure that before you sign anything, you look it over and possibly even take it to somebody you know and trust that's a lawyer who can help you decide if this is something you actually want to sign. Yeah, it's a severance agreement. I mean, that's a contract. Just like any other contract, you're exchanging something. They're not giving you money because you're agreeing to leave. They're giving you money and whatever other benefits because you're agreeing to some terms that they're going to put in there, some of which you probably don't necessarily want. So just like any other agreement, severance should be negotiated. And there's always an opportunity for it. You know, a lot of companies have a policy, but Often you can get around the policy and do something else. It's always good to have a lawyer look at this and someone who is used to negotiating severance agreements. You don't want to tie yourself down, but you also want to make sure that you're getting what's fair. Another thing is while you're negotiating the severance agreement, make sure you also negotiate how the termination will be described. Uh, You want it in as neutral terms as possible. You mentioned earlier, Harlan, that some places all they'll do is confirm that you worked there and the dates that you worked there maybe. Before you sign this severance agreement, make sure that it's in there, you know, how this is going to be described. Because unless you're being fired for some sort of gross misconduct on your own side, you want to try and do what you can to make sure that it's described in neutral terms or that it's even described in a way that allows you to collect unemployment benefits. Yeah, unemployment benefits that allows you to maintain a reputation in your industry, depending on how visible you are as it is. These are all very important things. You want to protect your brands, for lack of a better term. I know we're always talking about personal branding, and I'm not a big fan of that, but it's very important that you have this identity if you're trying to continue to operate in any sort of industry. And you have to protect that as much as possible. And a lot of that comes down to how your departure is described privately and publicly kind of switching gears a little bit, the next thing you want to do is you want to look at your finances, uh, see where you stand, see, uh, do you have an emergency fund that you can draw on now that you're fired? You know, what are your bills look like? Are you going to be able to meet your obligations? Do you need to call and talk to somebody about renegotiating your payment or maybe a deferment? 
it's depressing because you've just been fired and now you have to look at how it's going to impact your finances. But this is an important step. This is why it's one of the biggest reasons to have an emergency fund in the first place is to make sure you're prepared when you lose your income without much notice. I think it's so essential to have savings set aside for issues like this. Yeah. And and you know what? Go ahead and file for unemployment while you're at it. It doesn't hurt to try. Unemployment benefits are determined on the state level, even though there is some federal money going there. They're determined on the state level. And some states will still allow you to receive unemployment benefits as long as it wasn't intentional misconduct on your part that got you fired. And obviously, if you were fired without cause for discrimination or or for some other reason, you have a case that you should be collecting unemployment. So go ahead and file for unemployment. The worst they can tell you is no. And the best is you might be pleasantly surprised to find that you do qualify after all. And you should be able to appeal if they do say no. Make sure you're staying in communication with the state and you know what the status is. Sometimes it takes a long time and you have to follow up, but stay on top of that so that you get everything that you deserve, that you've paid into. I mean, you pay unemployment insurance when you work. So theoretically, you should be able to collect if you are legally allowed to do so. And you've got to push for it sometimes, but it's worthwhile. And it could mean the difference of giving you the opportunity to feed your family while you're looking for something new. Yeah. And also on top of that, when you are using unemployment, if you do have an emergency fund, you will draw down that emergency fund slower when you have unemployment. This is really not the time to be proud. And you should be looking to other community resources, community food banks. There are resources out there that help you pay your bills when something like this happens. So start with community resources. And if you're religious, uh, start with your congregation and your family members because this really is not the time to like try and go it alone. By the time you realize that you probably can't go it alone, you've destroyed yourself. So I think it makes a lot of sense to get this stuff going as quickly as you can. Yeah, we are humans and humans rely on each other. That has been the way since the very beginning. And we, especially here in the United States, we talk a lot about independence and going at it alone. But there is not a lot of progress that has been made through people just ignoring the fact that there's a community around them. And with everybody helping each other, I mean, that's what these programs are designed to do. It benefits the community at large. And you are part of that and just be willing to take advantage of that. While we're talking about community at large, that is often how you find your next opportunity. Let it out into the world that you are looking for a new job and people will help you. You will get responses and if you've cultivated your network well, even while things were going well for you, then you have a lot of resources available in order to find a new placement for you or to support yourself. Another option that I've seen is that a lot of people take this time when they are forced out of a job to do what they've always wanted to do. Perhaps that means starting a company on their own or working for themselves or beginning freelancing or just taking a break if they've got a cushion for it and doing something not work-related for a while. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Sometimes, you know, if you're fired or some other situation arises where you lose your job, taking that time off can be very helpful. I have a friend who plans on quitting his job in the next couple weeks. 
And when he does that, he plans to just take a month off and, you know, finish this novel he's been working on, do a little traveling. He's going to come here and visit me for a couple weeks and just decompress because sometimes you don't realize how much you just need that. If you've prepared and laid some groundwork, then yeah, you'll be able to take a little bit of time to reconnect with yourself and perhaps do something you've always wanted to do. I think it's important to explore some of these things and see what's possible, especially when you discover that you have some time on your hands, whether it's due to your choice or not. And, you know, we're talking about those situations where it's not your choice. But I think it's important to stay positive and make the most out of every situation that you're in. Turn some of those crises into opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about some do nows. What can somebody do now to either handle being fired or prepare for the eventuality? I think for the most part, everybody is going to be fired once in their career, uh, maybe more times. If not, then consider yourself lucky. But I think it's smart to prepare just like we would prepare for any type of emergency that might come up besides setting cash aside, obviously. I think being prepared to move on to another job at any time is an important piece of being able to withstand the situation that happens once you're fired. So that could involve updating your resume for one, making sure that's always up to date. Although I like to have at least when I was going through the phase of being interested in finding jobs, I like to tailor any resume that I send out to a specific job. So it's good to have updated resumes ready to go for any kind of opportunities that might come up so that you don't have to kind of think about this when you're in a less than positive mood and try to put something together that reflects the best of you. So have those resumes ready to go. Yeah, and I think another thing to do right now is if you think you're being discriminated against or if you think you're being retaliated against for something, uh, document those incidents. Start keeping track of the incidents that make you feel that way. Include the date and the time and describe the behavior because if you think that the firing is coming or if you think someone is trying to get you to leave your job without firing you, you want to make sure that you have documentation to back up your suit if that is something that you find that you end up needing later on. Yeah. And you can be relatively sure that a company is making a case against you to protect itself if that happens as well. So you want to make sure that you're just staying on top of this and don't let anything go undocumented, regardless of how minor it might seem at the time. It's protection, and you know that the company is going to have people who are paid to protect the company. There is no one on the company's payroll who is there to protect you. You are on your own. Even if the company provides legal assistance to its employees, this is important to remember, even when the company provides that as a benefit, they are there to protect the company. If you believe that something legal is going to be an issue, you should always have an outside lawyer, someone from the outside who is not affiliated with the company that you work for. Yeah, and I think it's also important to realize that state law regarding recording uh, differs. So you should know that when I'm talking about documenting, that's writing it down, writing down who was involved, the incidents, the date, time, describing the behavior. If you check your state law before you start recording, even on your phone, because some states require permission from the other party before you can record them. Other states just require permission from one party, so that's you, and so <laughs> for you to record. So it just depends on where you're at. Here in Idaho, we've had some interesting scandals in the last few months about uh, recording political people, but it's not a problem because in Idaho, 
Idaho, only one party needs to give consent. So yeah, you can do that. But in other states, that might not be the case. So don't rely on a recording. You want to make sure that you have written down notes somewhere safe, not kept on your company computer that you can access so that you have that record and that it's legal and admissible. And on that note, don't say anything stupid because you never know where it's going to pop up someday, uh, whether or not you know you're being recorded. (laughs) That's a very good point. One of our scandals the other day was some guy who was like kind of bragging about what he was doing. And it was like, come on, man, you shouldn't be saying that out loud to anyone ever, (laughs) whether they're recording you or not. And it just happened he was being recorded. So super great. And that's not Donald Trump talking about how he molested women. No, no, this is a little more local than that. And not quite that egregious. That's good. So what else can we do? Again, we talked about using your network, using the people who work in your industry that you know well, who know you, and get started on that next step. Do not wallow. I mean, it is so easy to take a firing, whether it's by surprise or not, and just beat yourself up about it and just be emotionally down and dejected and rejected. And you just have to pick yourself up and keep on going and move forward with life. Just like any kind of rejection, right? I mean, it wasn't the right situation. And one person recognized that and maybe you didn't, and that's fine. But pick yourself up, get out there, and do what you need to do to move on with your life. And don't let it create any unnecessary anxiety. It's over. There's nothing that's going to happen now, unless it is you know, an issue where you're continuing legally to deal with it. But it is something that is now in the past, and you have to think about what you're going to do next. What's next? That's one of the things I like to say is, okay, thank you. Moving on. What's next? Yeah, that's a really good point. And we do have a listener question. It is, what can I do if I think I'm being marginalized at work for speaking out against sexual harassment? That's a great question. Again, I think the first thing is to document, as we said before, start keeping a journal of what's being said, who's saying it, when it's happening. And I see that as the first step. Definitely. And you also need to document if you've filed a complaint with the HR department. And so it sounds like from this question, this listener actually went to the HR department or went to whatever authority there is, uh, filed a complaint and is now being marginalized for filing the complaint. So this is retaliation. They're not going to fire this person because that's against the law, but it sounds like they're trying to make them quit. So uh, document it, make sure you've talked about the steps you've taken to go to the company first, because a lot of the time, if you're going to file a lawsuit, you need to show that you tried to resolve things with the company and going through company channels. So make sure you keep that in mind. And then also consult with a lawyer about what to do. These kinds of cases can be hard to take care of, but if you can come to a lawyer and say, hey, I've been to the HR department a couple times about this issue. Now, all of a sudden, my performance reviews, which were really great before, are suddenly bad, you know, been giving different responsibilities. Uh, People aren't being nice to me. I mean, you can bring that in if you've got that documentation. Yeah. And let's not forget that this is an opportunity for you to figure out 
whether this is a company that you really want to be a part of. Now, I know that we like staying where we are. It's a lot of effort to find something new, especially the last few years as the economy has been bad and everybody's talking about how hard it is to find a job. I think we're on the upswing now, but still there is a tendency for inertia not to move because it's just easier. But listen, these are the people that you spend, if you work at a corporate job, these are the people that you spend eight hours a day with, 40 hours a week, so much time every year. This this is your life. Do you want to spend it in an environment where people are obviously making things difficult for you? What are the results going to be if it goes to the point where it has to go to a court or an arbitrator and you get the result that you want, which is they find in favor of you? What really happens at that point? I think... You have to keep in mind at all times, always reevaluate the situation and don't be afraid to always have a backup plan. Don't be so set on relying on just one company, on just one job for everything that you need in life because the situation can go sour and it's important to stand up for your rights. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But what is the environment going to be after you're successful? And what is important to you? How do you want to spend a good portion of your day? Is it going to be around people who treat you poorly? I would not want to spend my day around people who were treating me poorly. So despite how I would feel about being treated in a certain situation, I wouldn't mind looking somewhere else, dealing with the issue on the one hand, but still looking for other opportunities to be around people who want to spend their time with me as much as I want to spend time with that company. Yeah. And that makes a really good point that when you're in a situation like this, it's a good time for self-reflection and trying to figure out what your next step should be. And on that note, I think we're done for the week. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. You can always subscribe, rate, and leave us a review on iTunes at adulting.tv slash iTunes. Visit our website, ask us a question, and we will answer it on air or in an article on the website. We would love to hear from you. We have a community on Facebook. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Leave some comments and join us again next week for Adulting. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.